0: All right, no worries. Uh, all right, everyone, thanks for joining us today. Normally, we do the Twitter spaces during the week uh, where we share our takes and thoughts. We've had players joining in the past, but today we're going to do a, something a little bit different um, and have a full-on interview with uh, one of our new favorite players, personally for me, uh, a morale athlete who's been very supportive over the years, and someone <laughs> Someone who, um, someone who's becoming uh, a very solid pitcher for the Cubs, and that is Justin Steele. Justin, welcome. I want to put this forward for everyone uh, who was not privy to this information. We recorded a podcast a couple weeks ago. It did not record, so this is our second try at it. So, Justin, thank you for being here. We appreciate the time and the effort to make this work for a, for a second time.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure.
0: Yeah, Justin, so to start off, and we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff, hopefully new topics than we talked about a couple weeks ago, but how, not to make this about myself, but how did you first get involved or even heard about morale? Was it from the coffee? I feel like that's where it started from. Am I wrong?
1: Um, I mean, I'm pretty active on Twitter. I, I use Twitter a good bit as far as just like, I kind of look at it as like the newspaper. Like I wake yeah. up in the morning and I open Twitter and I like, that's how I get my information. Just kind of like how my Pawpaw did when he would read the newspaper in the morning. So that's kind of how I look at it. And, uh, I think the first time I kind of heard about morale and like saw your Twitter was just like, just from like after a game or like maybe had something to do with abert And I was just like reading some of your tweets and I was just like, this guy's electric, like synergy is just unmatched. <laughs> <laughs> like So I kind of just hopped on board and, uh, I'm kind of the same way. I kind of have the same attitude towards things as well. So, um, yeah, just kind of hopped on board and then um, kind of just started like putting things together. Like the morale coffee blend just kind of made sense. I was like, you know, just kind of into it.
0: Yeah, no, and I I appreciate that. I think the first time you tweeted at me was from the coffee, um, and I didn't even know you know you had it or I don't. I mean, I know it's in the clubhouse. I don't know how often the guys are drinking i know ian drinks i know you you drink it right on a decent basis every day it's in
1: the clubhouse every day every
0: day yeah which is uh something i still can't believe it's been in the clubhouse for this (laughs) for this long it's pretty incredible (laughs) anyways um so yeah we we appreciate you know all the support and uh it's been fantastic i want to start off with something that connects to me uh me being a new father having a four-and-a-half-month-old, and thinking back to how it was immediately after our son was born, you went out and pitched in a big league game the day after or, a, like, 48 hours after
1: uh, your son was born? He was born the 11th, uh, pitched the 13th.
0: Can you walk us through that? Because from my personal experience, it was such a – I mean, it's uh, – a it's kind of like a surreal feeling and like everything really changes. And obviously you're trying to support your spouse, your wife, your, you know, person, the mom, like how, how, how was it for you? What was it like? What were the emotions, all the stuff that was going through your brain during that time?
1: Uh, I mean that week, I mean, definitely the most special week of my life. It was just a whirlwind of emotions and feelings and just kind of everything. And, um, when he was born, it was the most special moment of my life. Just started bawling my eyes out, just uncontrollably. Yeah. Um, just the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. Um, and then, yeah, like uh, it was, it was weird because like while the team was in LA, I stayed back and was just like playing catch into a net because like we were waiting on the baby to come. We didn't know when it was coming, and I didn't <laughs> want to be across the country. Is this a yeah. net
0: in your apartment? Is this a no? Apartment? I was
1: walking. I was walking to the field. Okay. Well and they had the concerts going on in the field so I couldn't throw on the field and I was just throwing in the batting cage and doing a net so that's like how I was keeping my arm loose and like trying to stay ready and then I would just like go work out by myself just trying I was just trying to keep my body moving but um yeah it was just a whirlwind of a week and I feel like I'm still catching up like on sleep and just you know my body's like a week behind it kind of feels like but you know it's been the very special and I wouldn't trade it for the world.
0: Yeah, I can only imagine, especially those first couple nights, like the baby like moves one way and you're like, oh, my God, is it okay?" Like, is you know, or it does one thing you don't even know. And you're you know, you're rolling around the entire night, making sure your baby's breathing. And it's like it's just fine. I can imagine, you know, all the I don't want to say anxiety, but just the emotions of all that. And then trying to carry that into a uh, major league game is uh, I don't know. So I think that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it was amazing for sure, and I'll I'll never forget it. And it's it leaving him coming to Philadelphia was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Like it it was so tough leaving the little guy.
0: Yeah, it's not only the you know the little guy, but your your Libby, and it's just yeah, it's it's a lot. Obviously, I want to give you all the credit in the world for doing that, and uh, you know it's really special. Speaking of your son's name, Bo Steele. Yep. Now, obviously, we're gonna talk about Mississippi. As soon as I heard that name, it's one of the best names I've ever heard. And I know, I know your strong Mississippi roots. Justin, I know you're looking at houses uh, maybe in Arizona. When he gets to high school, that kid has to grow up in Mississippi. That is, oh, he, Bo he... Steele is a SEC baseball name. I don't want to put too much pressure on him now, but Bo Steele, are you kidding me? I mean, or, that, that or guy, a quarter you know, or a
1: Alabama quarterback or a, I,
0: I know, man, like I, I know it's Alabama, but I and I know you're not the biggest college baseball fan. But whenever I think of a name like that, I think of and I, I don't know if you if you like Mississippi State or not, but like that, that baseball team seemingly has like those types of names like a rowdy Jordan and, you know, all yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. just like to me, it just fits perfectly there. And in in you know Mississippi, the SEC country in general, I just yeah, you're gonna have to find a way to get him to high school when he when he's that age and you know have him become a whatever athlete uh, down there. Just fantastic name for that.
1: Yeah, I don't uh I don't I don't hate Mississippi State. I've had some buddies play at Mississippi State, so I, I root for them. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, it's just it's absolutely fantastic. Speaking of, uh, we talked about it last time. The podcast didn't record. It is what it is. Tell us a little bit. What's All going right, boy, on you in can stop, you can You right can stop now. highlighting the podcast <laughs> in. <with it>. The <laughs> listeners know by now.
1: Hey, what's going on, first what's fight. Going on in Loosedale First two right round. Now? First two rounds of the first fight. We're looking good, boys. Just want to we're let looking know. good? Hey, we're looking good.
0: Perfect. Perfect. We'll, we'll touch on that at the end. What's going on in Loosedale right now? Give me a typical day in Loosedale. Obviously, you're the pride of Loosedale, Mississippi. You're the – you know, you're the – geez i you know i'd say you're saturday
1: it's a saturday in (laughs) loosdale there's probably like 20 people out and about on main street um shops are open you know the the one or two boutiques you know that the mother's run they're they're open ready for business people are going to walmart getting their groceries um Probably a Saturday practice from my uh, Coach Davis, if I had to guess. He's he's a big uh, come in on Saturday, and he okay. like ma- he, he would, like, make us work on the field, fix the mound, redo the wall, like, just Saturday work days, and then we would have practice. So, if I had to guess, the high school team's probably at the field, fixing the field up, getting it ready for their season.
0: Now, did you end up Did uh, – it's been on Netflix the last couple of years. Did you ever end up – watching uh last chance you.
1: Yeah, so East Mississippi's not too terrible. It's like a two and a half, three hour ride. Oh, uh, I, I know yeah, I know a lot of people that went to school there. And I mean that's kinda like how where I'm from is like it's just in the middle of nowhere.
0: Scuba Tech.
1: Yeah. No, scuba.
0: Nothing's really going on. And and the reason why I bring that up is because I think a lot of Cubs fans and we talked about it last time. I think a lot of Cubs fans can relate to you because you come from a smaller town. You you didn't grow up in Florida or California in these, you know, big cities and you you kind of bring that attitude and then as you know, there are Cubs fans all across the country. How do you feel that type of connection with with some of the Cubs fans? Maybe they come up to you at Wrigley? and, you know, say, you know, they appreciate what you're doing. Like, do you feel that type of connection as you've been pitching for the Cubs the last couple of years, coming from a small town like you did?
1: For sure. I think coming from a small town makes me very personable and just kind of makes me relate to the everyday kind of, like, common person. Um, like, grew up on farms, bailing hay, around cows, cattle, just farm stuff, fishing, just, you know, outside. And, that's uh, just kind of how I grew up and, um, just, I'm a, I'm a normal person. So it's very easy for like anybody to come up to me and talk to me about anything. So I, I would say that kind of definitely plays a role in that.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think normally if you see a big athlete or, you know, regardless of where they are in their career, like in today's like social media era, like there's this, uh, while it does bring fans into like learning more about the athlete, it's kind of like those athletes are like perched up on a pedestal, if you will. And I feel like you're such a personable guy. I've note Adam and I have noticed that a lot. Like you just seem like you're every other guy, like you went to high school with that was a good athlete and you are just kind of up for whatever. I know, you know, you're locked in on the UFC right now. That's why we're trying to get this interview done because you got your big parlay that's happening. Um, but I think,
1: I think a lot of, I think that kind a lot of, of, that kind of proves the point though. Like I'm just an yeah. average everyday guy. I love, guy. Sports. Send, send I love watching your... football. I love watching football just like everybody else. I, yeah. I think that, I think that's a plays a huge role. I'm just, you know, i have the same common interest as most everybody else. So it's yeah. easy to talk to.
0: Yeah. You don't, you don't get that a lot. You, you really don't get that a lot to get to the, uh, to get to the baseball. We have to bring it up. Do you regret throwing that fastball last night on the first pitch?
1: The streak yes, streak over. Man. Whoever whoever tweeted it, it's on <laughs> I'm not taking responsibility for that fastball. Um hats off to Schwarber for hitting it. Uh Schwarber's a good dude, funny guy. Um yeah, but not taking credit for it. It was That's,
0: almost what whoever it,
1: tweeted it, whoever tweeted it, I saw it before <laughs> the game. I saw it and I was like, I'm pissed. I just read that. Was it was like, almost
0: hey. what, eight hundred four seamers, right? Yeah. <laughs> eight hundred four four seamers and you throw it up and in. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know what his heat maps are, but I don't know if like he was up bad and in pitch. very
1: well. It, it wasn't a bad pitch. No. Like it wasn't like right down the middle.
0: Eight hundred four seamers, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, God, I because I knew you probably saw the tweet. You had to have been thinking to yourself, "Are you kidding me?" As soon
1: as the game was over, I wanted to go tweet him and be like, "This is on you."
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It shouldn't count on the ERA. Last night should have been a, a scoreless five innings. That, that yeah. that's kind of bogus, if we're being honest.
1: Yeah. But first, damn. Pitch. it was the first pitch too. Like the first, pitch. I'm just trying to throw. I'm just
0: trying to throw a strike. Like I'm just trying to get a <laughs> Wasn't a bad, I mean, you know what, Kyle will do that too. And you hit 30 home runs in, like, whatever, 90 games, like, what, the, the run he's on is is absolutely crazy. Um, Who can hit. Yeah, absolutely can hit. Speaking of, and I know as the trade deadline approaches, I know, you know, things are out of the players' hands. It's everything has to do with the front office. Uh, totally understandable. What are a few of the goals that you have personally for the next couple months? And – as you're working on those goals, do you feel like as this team's about to change that you're becoming one of the new leaders or new, you know, bigger voices in the clubhouse considering the turnover that's that's happening on a, you know, now kind of a weekly basis?
1: Um, I would I mean, for me, moving forward for the rest of this season, I just kind of want to finish strong, kind of build off of what I've kind of been building on these past uh like month or two um start of the season was kind of rough but i felt like i made some really good adjustments forward um was learning from each outing so I, this is one thing i want to maintain and keep doing moving forward is just learning from each out and getting better and better at each time out and uh, i think that'll put me in a really good spot at the end of the season and then go into the off season and just try and get better and work on some things that you know i want to work on moving into next season and come in ready for that um and as far as where the team is and stuff, uh, I mean, I don't really look at myself as being like a, like the voice of the locker room or yeah. anything. I'm definitely like in the locker room. I talk to everybody, chat with everybody. Like I love talking about like other like football and UFC, for instance. Like yesterday, I was talking about the fights with everybody, telling them what I think is going to happen. So, I mean, I'm definitely like active in that sense in the locker room. I love talking to everybody, but I'm not like one of them like comrade like. Whoa, let's go, like, yeah. punch a wall, head button, or trying to get the guys going or anything. I'm not
0: like that. <laughs> you're not, <laughs> uh, not going to do a Chris sale, uh, whatever, throw the TV. no, nah, You never destroyed any of the Tennessee Smokies uh, appliances down in the in the clubhouse?
1: No, I'm not one to have, have freakouts or, like, get super pissed or anything. I mean, I definitely do get mad, but I, like, do a good job of keeping it to myself
0: can, can you walk us through that because i don't know if a, a lot of fans know i feel like most of the time when we talk is right after starts and i feel like you're normally yeah. you're normally in the clubhouse is that a time for you to kind of like decompress whether it's a a really good start or a really maybe a start the day uh, as well like how how long does that process take because i would imagine if you're the starter you've been out there grinding you know Emotions are high. Do you have to take, like, a couple – like, an inning or two in the in the clubhouse just to, like, slow so down for before me, you get back on the top step?
1: For me, it's all, like, leading up to the game. Like, and – like, leading up to the game, like, the night before is, like, kind of when, like, I'm most anxious. I'm thinking about it, like, going over the at-bats in my mind. And when the outing is happening and after it's happened, it's like the biggest weight off my shoulders. And, like, I just feel like, you know, like, job's done. It's like, um, you know, a blue collar, like, any blue collar worker, like, they get off at 5 o'clock and it's just like the weights off their shoulders and that first beer they crack open is just like the best thing in the world, yeah. right?
0: Yeah.
1: Like, everybody kind of relate to that. That's kind of like what it is. Like, yeah. you know, I waited all week to make this start a pitch every fifth or sixth day and you know a lot of anticipation leading up to it and it happens and like say I do good or bad but it's regardless it's weight off my shoulders and like it's just kind of that feeling so I can like you know I just talk about my outing it's a lot easier to talk about things
0: yeah and I what it reminds me of is when do you all remember the story uh I think it was like 2013 actually it might have been earlier before that like 2012 or 2011 when the Boston Red Sox had the chicken and beer, uh, the chicken and beer thing, that was like ten years ago, wasn't that? They were drinking chicken and beer in know. the clubhouse like after starts. You all remember that? I don't. Oh lord! All right. I'm a fact on that. Oh no, it was like a big thing with Theo and uh, Francona, all that. Anyways, I'm not saying you're drinking beer and you know eating fried chicken in the clubhouse, but that that's what it reminds me of, like that that kind of like you know ideal that you're talking about like the blue collar worker coming home having a
1: beer chilling out yeah it's exactly it's like the perfect comparison for me because like it's literally like i anticipate the start all week preparing for it and it happens and like that the moment it's over it's just kind of like just all the weight of the world off your shoulders and you're just like finally i can relax i can like you know be normal and like chit chat and like instead of like being kind of somewhat intense, even though I'm like not too intense, yeah. Maybe a little bit like as I start, but like nothing crazy.
0: Especially when you're working, you know, pitching to uh, Willie, who can be, you know, an emotional guy. You can't have you can't have too much energy in the in, in the dugout at times. Like you want you want people to be lively, but sometimes you need to have like a, a
1: little chill vibe in there at times, right? Yeah. For sure. You can't, don't want to have Willie fired up and then somebody pitch fired up on the mound and everybody's just yelling on the mound. Speaking of,
0: and I, I'd be remiss to to not talk about it, what have you learned from Willie as, you know, who knows what's going to happen to him in the future, but you've been pitching him for the last two seasons. What have you learned from him the most, whether it be pitch calling, whether it be attitude, whether it be leadership, What's what's one thing that you'll take from him regardless of, you know, his his time as a Cub moving forward?
1: Um, definitely, definitely attitude and just, like, being confident in yourself. Um, something me and him definitely have in common is we have that competitive edge about us. Like, when we step between the lines, like, we'll you know, we'll do whatever it takes to win the ball game. And, you know, that's something we share. We, we both have that fire in us to compete. And, uh, like, just like mound visits, like, when, he, when we come out to one another, like, we're both, you know, just – full of piss and vinegar (laughs) trying to do whatever it takes to win the game you know we're just always fired up during mound visits just trying to get the guy out you know he's usually just trying to give me a breather or something but but uh yeah I mean I would say that's the main thing I've like kind of taken away from him and learned from him and I, I would hope to say he's learned something from me or taken something from me at some point but for me it's like that leadership and just that passion and the passion he plays with and everything he does day in and day out to be a leader, you know, it's really special. It's fun to watch and he's a special player. And, uh but I would say the main thing is just that competitive edge we both share. It's a lot of fun to compete with him.
0: And I think for a lap, a few more things and until we'll finish up, but I think one thing that a lot of Cubs fans can relate to you as well, while you're a pitcher, solid pitcher, you're, you're pitching really well right now. Like you don't have the demeanor of a pitcher, like your normal, like, you know, go out there like it's got to be perfect. I need to be, you know, uh, I need to like feel correct to to pitch my best. Like whether it's you taking a line drive off your hand, uh, you know, a couple months ago, whether you're having a kid the day before, whether whatever's going on, it just seems like you're a guy that's that's out there really trying to, you know, compete instead of just, you know, throwing pitches it seems like you're 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 willing to do whatever has to be done to get out so where, do, where do you think that comes from is it a loose tail thing is it playing other sports growing up is it baling hay or you know messing around on the farm well, where, where does that attitude come from
1: uh i mean just i mean I, I guess it does just have something to do with like how i grew up how i was raised just that uh never quit attitude um you know, no matter what you got that day, just go out there and get outs with it. You know, um, that's that's what the greats do. You know, and that's just kind of how I was raised. Um, didn't matter. I wasn't it, before I got to like my junior sophomore year of high school. I didn't even throw hard, and I was, I would say I was a decent pitcher. Like, I didn't. Throw, like I wasn't low 80s. I, I mean, I didn't break 80 until my sophomore year. Wow. Yeah. And then, like, my sophomore year, I jumped up to, like, 88. I started, like, I just kind of hit my gross spurt and grew into my body. And I just started throwing harder. And then my junior year was, like, 93. And then it kind of just took off from there. But, but before that, I didn't even throw hard. And I was still a decent pitcher, at least. And, um, you know, you just got to, whatever you got, you just got to go get outs with. And that's kind of how I've always pitched. Um, I'm out there competing. I'm not Necessarily trying to make it look pretty. Um, if I'm throwing a fastball in, I'm trying to throw a fastball in. If it leaks over the plate, <laughs> so be it. <laughs> like I'm just trying to get out.
0: You so know. you were met. So it was like a a decade ago that you were out there pitching with not a whole lot. You were out there trying to you know piece it together, trying to get out. It's not like you were the the big name prospect from grade school all the way up that was blowing you know fastballs.
1: Uh, uh, I guess uh, I, I I was definitely late on the scene. I I wasn't on. I would say on like MLB scouts radars until like after my junior year, probably. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of just blew up and took off. I did a showcase and pitched. Well, funny story. I actually pitched with a broken wrist, a left broken wrist at the showcase. Left
0: broken? You didn't know it was broken.
1: <laughs> I didn't know it was broken. I broke it playing in a tournament like two weeks before that sliding in the home plate or sliding in the third base. I, I had a hit, and I slid into third base and fractured my uh, scaphoid in my wrist. And I just, like, thought I, like, just kind of bruised it or whatever. So, I just started taping. And uh, anyway, two weeks later, I start pitching in the showcase. First in, I'm, like, full of adrenaline because I'm pitching in front of MLB scouts. I'm, like, ninety I'm, like, six foot, probably 170. And I'm just slinging it. And then the next inning my wrist is killing me. I'm, like, 85, 86. <laughs>
0: this is what i'm and talking uh, but, about this is exactly what i'm talking about it's, it's that type of stuff you don't see that every single day I, you're around pitchers a lot and i'm not calling out pitchers specifically but you know there are some pitchers out there if if they have if their hamstrings a little sore if they're if there's anything wrong they're not taking the ball but you're one of those guys that do <laughs> you know you know that after playing base for a ball for as long as you have you've seen that before
1: For sure, for sure,
0: absolutely. Um, and as you got better, we'll finish on this and then one more question. As you got better, you obviously were collecting more firewood. I know it's something that we've talked about before. Can you fill us in, uh, in terms of the importance of firewood? Where does that come from? How much firewood are you trying to collect each start? I know it's something you've taught, we've talked about in the past um and and what would you like to do with that firewood you know at the end of the season
1: for me um I would say right behind like punching a guy out breaking his bat is like one of the better feelings you can have as a pitcher is breaking someone's bat especially like if you break their bat twice in a game like <laughs> you're just you're beating them you know like yeah. your fastball or whatever beating them and you know it's just a good feeling to have it's just <laughs> I'd say it's right behind punching them out. And um, something I want to do, or I think we should make it a thing across baseball, is when a pitcher breaks a bat, I think he should get the bat. Keep the bat. And something I want to do is all the broken bats I have, like, make a table I can, like, have in my – you know, like man cave, like just have a table that's made out of the bats yeah. I've broken over my career. Like how sick and would that I be? think
0: it would be cool to not only you could keep a table, but you could auction off tables to charity. You could have all these bats. Yeah, of like all there's these-
1: there's like a ton of good, there's like a ton of good ideas it's all from the- broken bats. Yeah, all- there's there's a lot of them. There's a lot of broken bats over the course of a season, and like. I feel like if the pitcher gets it, you can do things with it. Yeah, do
0: things with it. You would have all the names of the players, you know, on the table with all the bats where it was yeah. broken in different places, all that type. I personally think that has to be commonplace in in Major League Baseball. Like you said, if the play, if a pitcher breaks a hitter's bat, it is the pitcher's bat, and the pitcher has the discretion on what to do with said bat. I think that has to be a rule. Yeah, and I again, yes. I, like. I know
1: And if the pitcher if the pitcher doesn't care about it, you can just throw the bat away or just give it back yeah, to the, the give it back or, but, but it's up to the pitcher what happens exactly, to that. Bat. I
0: think I think that should be in, in in a game where there's all the unwritten rules and, and you never know if you're when you're stepping on toes or you're, you're you're, you know, pissing someone off, that should be one of the unwritten rules.
1: That's a good rule. That's not a bad it rule. That should not
0: be a bad rule. That's something that we gotta push moving forward and you know, and actually, Adam, we gotta start tallying how many broken bats you have for, for each, uh, at bat in the box score. When you look at the end of the game, you know, hits, strikeouts, walks, broken bats it's gotta be one of them. And it'd just be like a firewood emoji. That's what it has to be. Yeah. Um, Justin finally fill us in on this parlay you've got going on right now. It's Saturday morning. We're trying to get this interview done as soon as possible. The, I thought it start it started at, uh, 11 Eastern time. Correct.
1: 12, Twelve Eastern Time, Eastern I believe. Time. Eleven. So, so
0: we're so we're in 12. what the third fight, fight right now.
1: Second fight. I don't have anything on this fight, but the first fight we won. We're one and zero. We're thirteen fights away from hitting the biggest parlay ever. <laughs> one of the most random. Yeah, I love. I love. Like, I love a good hail mary parlay that just has no chance of hitting. And then it is. One of the and then you get, one of the and then you get to share it with all your buddies <laughs> and you feel like a genius for like a week. Well, that you know, like that, a better feeling. That, that's
0: perfect because one of the most random text messages I got was when you texted us after the Jimmy Butler parlay a couple months ago. The Jimmy Butler Eastern yes. Conference what 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 was it? It was like rebounds. It was it was one of the most random it, Jimmy uh, Butler parlays. It, it,
1: him to score over thirty five. Him to have over six and a half rebounds. Him to have over two steals. Like for him to hit all his props <laughs> overs. For the for the Heat to win, and it was like for PJ Tucker to hit like one three pointer. And I think I turned. I turned like sixty. I don't want. I don't want to say yeah. numbers, but I turned a little to a lot. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I just can imagine you and your pregnant fiance going crazy over a Jimmy Butler. We were,
1: I think she, I think she posted a TikTok <laughs> like I was going nuts. We were just losing our minds. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Anyways, I hope it hits. Um, I don't want to take up too much time, but thank you again for joining us. Uh, we'll do this again in the future. There is something coming out, Adam. I don't know if you want to stop the recording now, but there is something coming out we got to get the Pride of Loosedale, Mississippi shirts out. Adam, that probably has to get done ASAP, not only for the people at the Federal Landmark, but all the people that Justin has been talking about over the last you know, couple months, all the people that are going to get the shirt um, to represent Loosedale, and uh, it's going to be awesome. I think, every, I think many, many people are going to enjoy it.
1: Oh, yeah. Every, I know everybody I've talked to back home is extremely excited about it and ready for it to launch so they can get yeah. it.
0: Justin, thank you again. Um, We hope, you know, for you to, you know, keep doing your thing. I know, I know Cubs Square is probably going to go a little crazy over the next week or so because of the trade deadline. And I know that's out of your hands, but we appreciate everything you're doing and spending the time and supporting. And uh, we
1: uh, really, really appreciate it. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you all for having me. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Cubs and four. Thanks, Justin.